to everyone, okay? I don't know your, your situation regarding these things for the most part, but we're just going to let the Lord speak to us and let the Word of God speak to us. Father God, bless this sermon. Lord, honor Jack's prayer. Let there be an impact in the proclamation of the gospel today. Let this change people's lives. And uh, let us be better, better, quali- better, better equipped to fight this good fight that we're in. Lord, bless me, help me, anoint me to bring forth the word of God the way you want. And may it fall upon ears and hearts that want to and need to hear the truth of your word. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So Colossians, before Thessalonians and after Philippians. Did I tell you this, by the way? I know it's corny, but many, many years ago, someone told me how to remember these. Say, she said, you said it. I will forget it. Well, I'll tell you now. (laughs) That's not bad. Mine's better, though. Go eat popcorn. Go, Galatians, eat Ephesians, pop, Philippians, corn for (laughs) Colossians. That's how you remember. Anyway, we're in Colossians chapter 3. We're in verses uh, 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read it, and then we'll get into it. Bond servants. Now that's, that's gotten your attention. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Well, last week we talked about the second most important decision in your life, which for most of us, not all, the first is receiving Christ. The second is who our marriage partner will be. Now, the next most important decision that most of us make, I don't know for everybody, but for many of us, it will be where we work. And what we do for a living. And who we work with. And what we get training for. What we prepare our lives for. And what we want to do with our lives. So this message this week is is another important thing for us to consider. If you know this already, or if you're not in this this, uh, situation, just pass it on to somebody else. I've entitled the message, Holiness in Work. Because our workplace and our workstation and and our, our work situation must be considered as a holy place, whatever it is that we do. I realize some today are retired and you've earned it and praise the Lord for that. Some are maybe disabled and unfortunately cannot work. Some are unemployed or maybe receiving unemployment benefits and that's a whole other thing. But ideally, most people work or have worked and understand the importance of work. Like last week's message wasn't for everybody because everyone's not married and has kids. So this week, maybe it's not for everybody, but the principles are for everybody. But... Verses 22 to chapter 4, verse 1, need much thought, much consideration, and much cross-referencing to extract the full meaning and application for us today. These verses are a problem. (laughs) Because there's a cultural problem. But we shouldn't view this passage, well, we, we will, but let me explain. From the eyes of a, from 2023, we must view this passage through the lens of A.D. 60, which is when this was written. So there's things going on then that aren't going on now, at least not here. Actually, verses 18 through 4-1 is one thought. If you think about it, look at your Bible or your Bible app 
Just look at this real quick. Last, I remember last week we said, okay, we got wives, husbands, children, and fathers, right? But if you continue the thought, you have wives, husbands, children, uh, fathers, bond servants, and masters all in one group. This is one big passage of Scripture. It's one big, like, section that Paul is addressing. And, uh, and so, yeah, the, the Roman Empire at that time, now remember, this is 27 years after Jesus died and resurrected. 27 years after the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. It took 27 years for the apostles and the disciples to establish all these churches all over the place. But in the Roman Empire at that time, it was very corrupt and very difficult to live. And slavery and bond servants and servants were an acceptable part of culture. But we can't think in terms of what we know. Like, for instance, we can't think of this in terms of, say, Israel being slaves in Egypt or even the slavery issue in Europe and America in the 18th and 19th century that were characterized by brutality and, and hatred. Rather, in the Roman Empire, this was a way of life. It was a workforce uh, that, that people knew where they were in life. They knew their stature in life. But they were usually, the slaves or the bond service were usually lower class, less educated. Maybe they were captured in war and brought back in. They were foreigners brought in. But, but the thing was, there were many of them. In studying this, I was amazed at what I found out. That some people are saying that for every two free people, there's one bond servant. And another one said, well, for every three people, there's one bond servant. So I took the, the three-to-one ratio. But when you think about it, for every 100 people in that culture, 33 of them were bond servants. If, if you look at it like 100,000 people, 33,330 were bond servants. The issue was there were approximately 60 million people in the Roman Empire. Guess what? One-third of that is how many? 20 million people. There's 20 million people that are referred to as bond servants. And you can't get around that in the, in, the, in the translation from Greek and Hebrew to English. It means a slave. But it's not our definition of a slave per se. What I'm saying is there were huge numbers of bond servants and masters that were incorporated into a family structure. That's why verses 18 to 4 1 are put all together like that. And then what's happening is that these bond servants and these masters are, praise God, getting saved. And now what do you do with that? Well, Paul is, is addressing the situation. Uh, he never condones it, but he does address it. Um, you may remember, Paul wrote a letter. It's called the letter to Philemon. He wrote a letter to his friend Philemon because Paul was in jail. And he, while he was in prison, he led a young man to Christ who was a slave. His name was Onesimus. And Paul writes to Philemon saying, listen, when Onesimus gets out, welcome him as a brother in Christ, not as a slave. He's now your brother. So like under the radar, Paul was kind of like changing the culture, but he didn't, he didn't really go into a big social movement here. I found it interesting in 1 Timothy 1, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, The law has come for the lawless, uh, for the ungodly, for sinners, pointing them to Jesus. Then he got specific. He said, The law has come pointing people to Jesus, people who were murderers, people who were sexually immoral and perverted, and also kidnappers. He said, Kidnappers. I had to look that up. What do you mean, kidnappers? Kidnappers were people who stole people. And sold them or used them or abused them or, you know, treated them poorly. They, they, they did the wrong thing. But Jesus came to free them too. So, for instance, in Colossians 3, we see verse number 18. Bond servants or slaves obey and, and, and have a good attitude with your master. And master, in chapter 4, verse 1, be just and fair with them. Uh, work with them. So... Paul was working like within the system for change. And again, in the Roman Empire, this was a legal practice. It wasn't an issue. And I find it interesting, too. You may be aware of this, but Paul used this exact analogy in several places in his epistles to describe his relationship with the Lord. Paul, a bondservant of Christ. 
Everyone knew what he was talking about. You're a bondservant to Christ? In other words, Christ owns you? Yeah. I've given my whole life for Christ. Jude said it. Uh, it's in Romans. It's in, it's, in, uh, it's in 2 Peter. It's in the book of James. Uh, like being a bondservant was a way that Christians described themselves being owned by the Lord. So the question that we have and that I have, I always have questions, is what do we do with this? We don't have any slaves or bond servants that I'm aware of, although I have read that there is some slavery in America going on illegally. Um, let me give you a couple of things to think about right here. First of all, I think it's important to recognize that there is slavery in the world today. If you look on the, on the Internet, there's all these different Christian ministries that are reaching out, trying to help people. But slavery is really still happening all over the world. The most prominent thing that we're probably aware of is sex trafficking, human trafficking, um, and, uh, and buying and selling people for their own gain. Uh, in other countries... Uh, whether it's legal or not, I'm not really sure, but it does exist. But we have to recognize the fact that th- this is an issue. Secondly, we have to work towards eliminating it. Because uh, Paul was like initially doing it, but in that world, I think the Christians at that time were fighting for their own survival. And just uh, embracing the culture as it was and trying to work in the culture. But we should work toward eliminating it because the gospel always respects people and always lifts people up, the lost, the hurting, the captured. In fact, two of those missionaries that we support, one is in India, it's called Project Rescue. They work with women who have been sexually abused in in, in the sex sex trafficking trade. We have another uh, missionary we support in Massachusetts, it's called Amira. They help women caught up in sex trafficking right in our own backyard. So this is good to to be thinking about. But mostly in the Western world, when people... I mean, I've listened to one sermon the other day. I wanted to see what another pastor was... How he was approaching this passage. And, And his message had nothing to do with everything I just said. It was all related to work. So we're going to relate this to our work situation. But understanding that originally it wasn't meant, it was meant for work, but it was a different dynamic between the boss and the worker, if you know what I mean. But we we have something similar, I mean, kind of similar in our work environment where we work for someone and we're accountable and responsible to them. So a bond servant would be the equivalent of an employee. And a master would be equivalent of an owner or a boss or a supervisor or a head over something. And there's principles here uh, that we need to apply to our social structure. Now, we live in a world, in in, in the American culture, of free enterprise, right? A free economy. And it's really a blessing to have that. A lot of countries don't have that. But we're blessed to live in the world, the world that we live in here. But... We need to think of our our work as a gift from God that God wants to use in our heart and in our situation to be a blessing to him and to somebody else. We have to be thankful for what we have in this country. And for whatever job you may have, you may not even like it, but in the big picture, you have to appreciate it because it's probably paying your rent money or whatever. So it's something very, very important to think about. So let, let, let's go through this verse by verse, and then, then we'll get into some application. Okay, verse 22. Let me paraphrase it like, like, so that it's relevant to us. Uh, workers or employees, obey your boss, uh, as, in, as in the real world, right, according to the flesh. In other words, there's probably rules on, at your job, what you can do and what you can't do. You can't, what are you going to do? They're signing your paycheck. You, you have to live under the rules according to the flesh. It has nothing to do with Christianity, but, but your attitude towards it does have to do with your Christianity. I see a, I see a mail carrier over there saying yes and amen. <laughs> 
So um, you may say, well, my boss isn't a Christian. It's really beside the point of that. But although in this passage, the bondservant and the master are both, uh, assumingly, they're both Christian, but that's really beside the point. Whether your boss or your work situation is Christian or not, it doesn't matter how you act in that situation. Will you act one way with the Christian boss and a different way with the non-Christian boss? I hope not. It all comes down to you, you know, so, so how are you going to handle this? Uh, as a Christian employee, we need to do what the boss tells you to do. Not to, and not to, as it says, not to look good and not to please other people, but be sincere and, and to fear God in this relationship. Because God provided that job for you. That's what verse 22 is saying. Now let me tell you about my first job. I think it was, was my first job. It was so long ago, I don't even remember. But a long time ago, I was young, and I, this, I think it was my first job. My first job was cleaning the dog kennel. It was the worst job I ever had. I had a boss that was a really nice guy. But the kennels, there, I, I, if I remember correctly, there were maybe 15 kennels, cages, long cages. And, and so the dogs were in there. People, you know, dropped them off for a week or two or whatever when they went away. And my job was to come in early in the morning. And the first thing I had to do was open up the trap door. So the trap door let all the dogs go out into the outer yard. So I got them out of the long kennel where they were. They were out there. That alone was a a process that nearly scared me to death. Some of the dogs wanted to eat me alive. If there wasn't a, a screen there, they would have, they would have mauled me to death. I know that one dog, I still remember his eyes were like turning pink. He was so mad at me. But my job was to let the dogs out and then get a hose and hose it. It was not a pretty sight, let me tell you. And I had to wash it down with some stuff and mop it. And And, and I did that. And then I had to let the dogs come back in and do the same thing outside. And that was was another disaster. And then I had to feed them and give them water and do all this stuff. But that was my job. I couldn't do it. I, I don't know. I don't even know how I got this job, but I did the job because that's the way the boss told me to do the job. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Verse 23 says, and I didn't know this at the time, but whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So we take that verse, we totally take it out of context. This is related to your job. Or your relationship with your boss. I mean, literally, it's a relationship between a bondservant and a master. But whatever we do in our culture, how we make this fit into our culture, whatever we do on our workplace, in our workplace, we do it as though we're doing it unto the Lord. I remember after I got saved, I, Pamela and I were living in North Carolina. And uh, uh, when we needed extra money, I'd go back to my trade. My trade was a, being a house painter. And I, I, you know, I brought, my father was a contractor. I grew up with it. I know it pretty well. But I'll tell you what. I was reminded what a, what a, <laughs> what a challenge. It, not the painting. The painting's a piece of cake. The scraping's a pain. You know, throwing out the trash. But the people you work with, oh, my goodness. You're there eight hours a day with people that they're talking all this trash, all this junk. I've had a whole new appreciation for just get my job done and get out of there. I didn't know about this, but I, I kind of thought, well, I just have to do this. I need the money. But whatever you're doing in your job, uh, you know, be thinking about this, this is for the Lord. You might think it's not, but it, 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 Scripture says it is. This is your, your situation right now. Do pastors deal with this? Yeah, yeah sometimes. I, I have to do things sometimes. I have to maybe talk to the person that's, I know there's going to be a disagreement here. And if you know me, I'm not one for confrontation. I don't like confrontation. I do it when I have to. But I do it because Jesus is my boss. I'll do that. I may clean the bathrooms or I may vacuum the church. Why do I do all that? Well, Jesus is my boss. So anyway, verses 24 and 25 kind of go together. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be, re, will, will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. What, what that means is, in that culture, the, the slave or the bondservant didn't have any inheritance. 
the family they worked for or were owned by, that family did not take care of them when they got old. They, they were just on their own. There was, when they died, there was no money left for them. But, but Paul is saying to them, whatever you do, you'll do it to the Lord because knowing that the Lord will provide your inheritance. So that, that opens up a whole new thing for me, that no matter what we get in this life, whatever, we're working hard, we're doing the right thing, we have to trust God to meet our needs. Always. Which reminds me, when Pamela and I first got married many years ago, um, we, got, we were accepted the Lord in North Carolina on a trip, came back to New York, got things straightened out, got married. And while we were there, though, I, I, we were looking for an apartment just in case maybe we were going to move down there. Well, I shook this guy's hand. His name was David. I said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make a deal on this, apart, this little house. And so six weeks went by. I think I wrote him a letter once. And after the wedding, my, my little truck was packed up, had everything in there, had a U-Haul. We went to North Carolina, locked in barrel. We were starting a new life based on a phone call that we had a place to live. Pamela, you had a lot of faith in me. And she said, how did we do that? How did I do that? I don't know. I just trusted God, I guess. But I had to realize we're on a mission here. We're new Christians. And certainly the Lord did provide for us. And that was a great little house. With all the little stories, we could talk about that little place. But anyway, we have to trust God that the Lord will provide what we need through our job situation. Verse number, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, uh, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. So boss, if you're a boss, if you're a supervisor, if you're a leader at work or you have some type of authority, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, don't let it go to your head. Just remember who you are, because it says here, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Everything you do, God is watching you. You're, you're, you may think you're special, and you may be special. But in the eyes of the Lord, you're under his anointing. You're under his covering. So be fair and be just. Because if you're not, God is watching you, and it won't be good for you. So I always encourage people, go as far as you can go in your job. Be the best you can be. Just remember who you are. Everything you have is because God has blessed you and anointed you. Don't get so big for your britches, you forget that God put you there in the first place. See, so that, that's all that he's saying here. So I, I, uh, I can remember my, one of my jobs after, uh, after I, we got married and went back to college. Um, and I had a job at a prison. I shared this with you before. And my job was to evaluate the inmates and uh, get them ready for vocational work You know, when they got out. Working with the inmates was a pleasure. I loved it. We had great conversations. I was able to share my faith many, many times with them. It was the prison system that bothered me. So many rules, so many regulations, when to go, when you can't go, what time you have to do this, how to do it, what paper to fill out, you know, who to meet, when to meet, and how to do it. It was like debilitating to my spirit. And I got to a point where I would realize I could, I could watch these uh, Department of Correction people, I could watch them in their mannerisms. I could watch their body language. I could hear the volume of their voice. I could see their attitude a mile away and say, this guy has got an ego problem. He's making life difficult for everybody. And I, I kind of took a vow. I said, Lord, if I ever get into a position in my life where I have some type of authority, I'm not going to be like that. Because that's, that's like stifling for people. I want to be a, a leader or, you know, someone with some authority that breathes life to people. And so I've endeavored to do that in the role of a pastor these many years. But th- this is my attitude. This is my, my disposition. So anyway, holiness in work, okay? Holiness in work. Colossians 3.22 to 4.1. Want to help you see that your work, your job, your place of business, where you earn a living, what you do is a very special gift from God. Let me put it this way because you work, you eat. Market basket is in business. Because you work, you can pay rent or mortgage. Because you work, you can pay your bills. You can go out, you can do things, you can enjoy life. You can. Give your tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. You can bless other people. And uh, I want to talk about four different aspects of making your workplace a holy place. Can we do that? 
We have, yeah, we have enough time. Okay, so they'll be on the screen. The first thing is this. And you may not think this right now, depending on what you do. But the first thing is you have to realize your job, your work is very important for you to do. Because you're gifted or called or you're in a situation, you're doing what God obviously has called you to do. But let me give you some scriptures to talk about this. Well, first of all, let's thank the Lord we live in a free society. Uh, Let's thank the Lord that we could be a blessing to other people. Let's seize the moment. I realize some are retired or disabled or unemployed right now. Just bear with me the best you can. But let me give you some scriptures. Ephesians 4.28. You know what Ephesians 4.28 says? I'll I'll tell you what it says. It says, uh, for him who used to steal, don't steal anymore. But work with your hands. Wow. He says, uh, work with your hands that you will have something to bless somebody else with. Can you imagine a society where no one worked? Can you imagine a church where no one worked or had an income? We probably wouldn't be doing much. We probably would be freezing right now in a cold building if we we even had a building. But honest work, legal work makes a civilization function. So your job, your work is really important. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul wrote this. I'll paraphrase it. Now, the setting is the Thessalonians were waiting for, for Jesus to come back. And so some of them took it upon themselves not to work, just to wait. And some of them were busybodies, it says. And Paul said, don't be a busybody. And it said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So working is a way to kind of find our purpose and to provide for ourselves and for our families. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8 says... Uh, if you, if you don't work, if you don't provide for your family, you, you've denied the faith. You're, you're, you're worse than a non-believer, is what he said. That's pretty drastic, don't you think? If someone refuses to work and you're able to, you're, you're denying the faith by not providing for your family. You're worse than a non-believer. So work is important. It's important for, and it's a godly responsibility for us to endeavor to do something to provide for ourselves. We could get into a whole social commentary as to what's wrong with America today, and so many people are not working when they can work. Why do I see all these signs that say help wanted, by the way? And so many people collecting on whatever they're doing. I don't know how some people live without working. I wasn't brought up that way. Number two is this. We have to work whatever we do like we're working for Jesus. Because ultimately, that's what the scriptures are saying. Now, for us, this is even lighter than what this passage said. This is, remember, this is in the context of being owned by somebody. How would you like that? You're owned by somebody. Work and, and do that as though you're doing it unto Jesus. That's even harder than what we have right now. So, for instance... Uh, you know, and I'm not looking for pity or a pat on the back, but, you know, I still stop the garbage down in that dumpster out there. That's, that's, my, that's one of my things. You don't know what I'm talking about? That dumpster costs money to empty. And uh, when there's boxes that aren't crunched up and stuff that's kind of loose, I say, man, I could, get, I could get another week out of that dumpster. And I go in there and I stomp it down. I get two weeks. Sometimes I get three weeks out of it. Someone says, the dumpster's full. I say, no, it's not. Get another week or two. I'm, I'm doing this for God. I'm trying to save money for the church. I know you may think it's silly. I don't know. I, I think about people driving by, seeing me jump in the dumpster. I don't really care. I'm trying to save the church money. I'm doing this for God. You know, it's true. Listen, while I'm on this little thing. If that dumpster, if, if, the, if the lid is, is that open because of garbage in there, 50 bucks extra. I can't deal with that. I'm going in there stomping it down. It's good for another week. <laughs> so, so it's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. So look at verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Right? Do it with some excitement. Do it with some oomph. Do it with some, you know, 
and do it for, for the Lord. Uh, verse 17, same thing. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Ecclesiastes 9.10, if you're writing notes, it says, uh, whatever you do, whatever your hand finds you doing, do it with all your might. And so whatever you do, listen, whatever you're doing, we have people here with many different uh, uh, vocations represented in this church. But do it as unto the Lord. Look at your boss and your work environment as a place that God put you, not only to make your money, he put you there to be a witness for him. You know why? You could reach people there that I could never reach. You could reach people there that nobody could reach. You're, you're the Christian, and you're, a, you're, you're there to be a light to the lost all around. What a perfect opportunity. And, and I know what, what culturally what, what we say, you know, you can't share your faith at work. I don't know how that is today. When I, last time I worked at a secular, well, not the last time, but many years ago, when I worked in the prison, I was always sharing my faith. I mean, I wasn't broadcasting it. I had my own office. If someone goes in there to talk to me, we talk. We have conversations. And, and more often than not, it came around to talking about Jesus. And a lot of times I didn't bring it up. But listen, we're there to be a witness for the Lord. Ephesians 6, 7 says this. Whatever you do, do it with good will. Do it with a joyful heart as unto the Lord, not to men. So we have to approach our jobs with a good attitude. And I remember those days when I was secularly employed, and it was hard to have a good attitude sometimes. But as a Christian person, we're called to have a good attitude and to be thankful for what God has blessed us with. Hallelujah. Here's number three. Hard work does pay off. I heard some people say, you know, they're, they're kind of jaded. They work hard. They don't get the benefits that they think they deserve or whatever. But according to Scripture, verses 24 and 25, uh, hard work does pay off. God sees and God provides. Uh, I, would, I would compare these two verses to the parable of the talents that Jesus spoke on. He was saying this to make a point. But there was a, a, a man, a master, that had three servants. And the master was going away. He gave the servants... Money, talents. One he gave five, one he gave two, one he gave one. And he said, invest this. When I come back, we'll see what you do, what you did with it. So he went away. And when he came back, the one that had the five talents invested it and made five more. He said, wow, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The one that had two, he made two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The one that had one, he was kind of acting sheepish. And the, and the master said, well, what happened to the one I gave you? He said, I was afraid I didn't do anything. And the master didn't say, oh, that's okay. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Give me that one back. You get out of here. And he gave it to the others. He was angry that he didn't do anything with what he was given. The same thing can be said about our jobs and our employment. I mean, most of us have had some training and we, we you know, paid money to get educated, to get geared for certain jobs. What are we doing with that? What, what are we, you know, how are we investing into, are we doing the best we can do with what we have? I want to encourage you to do that. The Lord expects us to work hard to produce. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I was taught early on, and I, I realize now that a lot of what my family taught me was biblically based, although I never knew scripture in reference, but there were principles that I learned early on. Like, for instance, when I clean those dog kennels, believe it or not, I wanted to be the best dog kennel cleaner in the world. I wanted to do a good job, and it was a terrible job. When I, when I was in college, I, I, was, uh, I was employed by the school washing pots and pans in the dishroom. That place was a nut house when all these students brought in their stuff after lunch. People, we were back there grabbing everything. But I determined I'm going to be the best pot washer there is in this school. And then, you know, as a house painter, I always tried to be a great house painter. Because my father was my boss. If I didn't do good, he'd, you know, he'd be upset with me. And as a pastor, I want to be a great pastor because I, I just think this is the right thing to do. 
And, and there's, a, there's a blessing involved in doing your best. I don't know about you. When I put my best foot forward, whatever, whatever job it was, when I know I did my part, I go home feeling pretty good about myself. It may not look a lot like to everybody else, but to me, I know I did a good job. Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings a profit. Mere talk lends to poverty. Big talk, no action. But those that are acting and doing and, and doing the best you can do will bring a profit. Now, I don't know, financially maybe, but the profit is the blessing in our own heart that we've done a good job. Ephesians 6 says this, Whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. It's almost like a principle of sowing and reaping from Galatians 6. When we work hard and, and, and we do the best, we get a reward from God. We feel a peace in our heart. When we cut corners, when we don't do what we should do, and please don't anyone steal stuff from your workplace. That's wrong. But when we, when we cheat our boss or cheat our job, we feel guilt. We feel shame, or we should. And we don't get the Lord's blessing upon us. That's why it says in verse 25, he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there's no partiality. There's no, there's no favoritism with God. This is true for all of us. So whatever job you have, whatever you do for a living, whatever vocational training, educational training you've gotten, do it for the glory of God and, and do it, work hard. God will provide for you. You know, on a personal note, Pamela and I have been in the ministry since 1987. Long time. And most ministers don't have a great retirement plan. But I'm trusting God that all the hard work, all the dedication, God's going to provide for us in our old age. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm trusting God for it. How about you? Are you trusting God to take care of you? I heard a a message the other day. This pastor was preaching. He said that uh, Satan tempted Jesus, right? Luke 4. And uh, that verse ends by saying, Satan left him for a season. And the message was about seasons of our lives. What season are you in? And he was saying all these different things. And one, one thing caught my attention. He said, there's going to come a season when you're not making the same amount of money now as you did back then. Because life changes. There's going to come a season when your kids will leave or your, your family will change because of things. Different seasons. But the, the matter is, do you have faith to trust God through your seasons? And we all have different seasons we're going through. But are you trusting God to see you through? I'm first on the list. I've got to trust God. Okay, here's the last thing. We're going to wrap this up. If you're a boss, if you're a shop steward, a supervisor, a head nurse, a a principal, or a pastor, remember who you are. You know, be fair with people. Be just with people. Uh, don't let your position go to your head. Remember, you're a sinner saved by grace like all of us. All you have, all you do, all you are is because you've been gifted by God. God has blessed you to do what you do. As high as you go, as far as you go in life, remember, the Lord is higher than you are. And the Lord is watching out for you. Use your position for good. Use your position for good change. Use your position to bless people. I, I realized early on that my, my job at the prison had little to do with finding these people jobs. It had everything to do with being a light for Christ in their lives, having conversations, listening to them, encouraging them to seek God. That's why I was at that job. I, I have several jobs. I could say the same thing. I used to be a a business manager for a, a what, what, what was called at the time a sheltered workshop where people that were handicapped would go to work. My job was to find them work to do. Well, my real job was to be a light for Christ in that setting, not only for the people that were handicapped, but for all the staff people that didn't have a clue what Christianity was about. That's why I was there. So whatever you're doing in life, I'm telling you, as a Christian person, you have a golden opportunity to be a light for Jesus. And I'll guarantee you, some of you know this already. When someone at your workplace has a problem, they're going to be looking for you. For counsel, for advice, for prayer. So be ready for that. I think of people like Moses, a great leader, but he's a great humble leader. I think about a leader like David, great king of Israel, 
who had a heart after God first. I think about Paul, great leader, but Paul wrote about himself, I'm the, I'm the worst sinner out of everybody. All these leaders were humble, broken, and dependent upon God. And I would say the same thing for pastors. And unfortunately, you may know pastors. I know some pastors where this whole thing has gone to their head. They become too big for their own good. And so the, you know what happens? The Lord has to take them down a notch. And he does. He's faithful to do that. So in concluding this whole message and I hope this is helpful for you. I hope that when you go to work tomorrow, you'll remember some of what I said. But your, your workplace is a holy place. I remember when I worked at the prison, I take my lunch break. I go to an area of the prison where nobody was there. I, I would sit on a little porch, actually, with gates all around me, reading my Bible, praying, just getting alone with God. Your workplace has got to be a holy place. Your workplace has got to be a place where you value you being there, not for what you do, but for who you influence and who you represent. So anyway, remember that your job is important. It's a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. I know some people would do anything to have a job. If you have a job today, praise God, you're working. It may not even be your most ideal job, but praise God, you are working. And working is important for the reasons we said. Remember that you're really work. You may think you're working for Mr. So-and-so. You're working for Jesus. And you're representing Jesus at that place. Remember that hard work really does pay off because God is watching you. And he wants to say to all of us, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't want to say, get out of here, you lazy, wicked servant. And if you're a boss or wherever you are, remember who you are and where you came from. It's all by the grace of God that we do anything for the Lord. I, I can't tell you. I mean, so many times, even today, well, every day, every Sunday. I think I told you this. Every Sunday. I've been doing this for a long time. This is my job, if you want to look at it that way. My paycheck comes from New Life Christian Assembly of God. Right? That's, that's what I do. I've been involved with Christian ministry since, like I said, 1987. But every Sunday, after all these years, you'll find me somewhere in the building kneeling down on my knee saying, Oh God, one more time. Come on, Lord, one more time. I, 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 have, I have, I mean, I know myself really well. I will never, I, God help me. I could never imagine myself stepping out without God. I, I, I can't even fathom that. But I want you to know that I take this job seriously. I do. I pray. I, you'll, you'll find me. Well, if you, if you look for me, maybe. But so I'm somewhere in the building on my knees asking God, Lord, one more time. I mean, let me just bear my heart with you. Last Sunday for me was a wonderful day. I love preaching that word about having a holy family. We had a good time, right? It was fun. It was, it was the word. It was, yes, it was good. I baptized six people last Sunday. What do you think I was thinking about all week? Lord, what am I going to do this Sunday? How am I, how am I going to top that? That was, like the, that was like the best. That's where I'm at. Because you can't fabricate that. You know what I'm saying? It's got to come from God. It's got to come from above. And I don't know about you, but you know, you got to spend time. I'm still on this prayer in the morning kick, believe me. It's reaping benefits. And thank you for those that are doing it with me, you know. But see, you, you pray in the morning or as soon as you can, God will bless you. We can never think we don't need that. We need that all the time. Look, if, okay, my, my job experience, if you're cleaning out dog kennels, you need an anointing. If you're painting houses, you need an anointing. If you're working in a prison, you need an anointing. If you're delivering mail, you need an anointing. If you're a secretary or a nurse or a principal or whatever you are, you need an anointing from God to make it with effectiveness in your calling and in your position. So holiness in the workplace. I would say, I would conclude it like this. You and I are missionaries. Whoa, I'm not going to, you know, 
South America or no, I'm going to work. <laughs> My work is filled with unsaved, heathen, obnoxious people. But God's put me in the middle of it. Think about it. Does it make sense? <laughs> Let's see. What are we going to do next week? Uh, oh, that's, that'll be good. Okay. Uh, go there. Like I said, we're, we're here just because we happen to be here. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to everybody. So can we stand together? We're going to say that one verse, verse number 23, Colossians 3.23. This will be an easy verse to remember. But, but remember it in the context in which it's said. It's in the context of a slave and an owner or a, a worker and a boss, a work environment. Verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So whatever you do. I know you're going to remember the dog kennel story. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's, it is funny, but it was a terrible job. You, you, you ever, you ever, does this ever happen to you? Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but like, like you think about something so, so much, it's like right there, you, you begin to feel it, and, and you, you, I don't even want to say what, what I do, but you could, you could sense it, and I sense that dog kennel every now and then, like. <laughs> but it helps me stay humble. Okay, verse twenty-three. Whatever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to Heartily. You ever see people that have no heart? They're just moping, man. They're just like going through the motions. And it's, it's like, come on, get some life in you. See, Christians are supposed to have life in us. Like, like I always say, you know, Sunday morning service begins on Saturday. Your job on Monday morning begins on Sunday night. Away. Get yourself ready for work. Get in there. Be hearty. Be, be, have some oomph with what you do. Let people know who you belong to. One more time, verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Okay, every head bowed for just a moment. Goes on live stream today. After all of that, let me just say this. Is, is there anybody here that needs to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Because if, if you want to be effective in your workplace and make your workplace holy, you've got to have Christ in your heart to begin with. So that's number one. Anyone need to receive Jesus? Say, raise your hand and wave it at me so I can see. So I'm assuming everybody. All right, very good. I see some recommitments. That's good. Okay, how many of you need prayer for your job? Because your job is like, oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate. Not this job, of course, but I can relate. <laughs> How many of you need prayer that you need help on your job? You need help. You need, you need the helper, the Holy Spirit. How many of you uh, will, desire, will, will purpose in your heart to be a witness at that job? Because that's the bottom line. That's where the Lord wants us to get to. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, this is a great passage. Lord, first of all, we want to pray for people in the world today that are caught up in this arrangement of being owned by other people. Lord, it's sinful. It's, 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 it's bad. It's degrading. It's, it's demonic, even. We pray for men and women and children caught up in the sex trade. We pray for other, other people in other countries, in our country too, but other, other places that are owned by other people. And they're abused at work. They're used to do cheap labor. And, and they're just taking advantage of the Father. We pray that those situations would cease in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for missionaries and Christians that are proclaiming the word in those places. That the gospel will change lives and change cultures. We pray, Lord, that we as a church would, would be aware of this and, and continue to support our missionaries that are going all over the world sharing this life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ that will change cultures and even change governments if it works its way that way. So we pray, Lord, for, for the reality of, of this passage today. We pray, Lord, for Project Hope that we support in India 
let them let that ministry be a great blessing to the women over there that have been caught up in the sex trafficking trade. We pray for Amira here in Massachusetts that's that's ministering to women that have been caught up in that whole human trafficking right in our own backyard. Father, bless them and may they have the resources they need to be a great light and a great uh, a great tool that you would use to to restore lives and to give life to people that have been so hurt and dejected. And Lord, now as we apply these verses to us in our free society, which we're thankful for, we pray, Lord, that we would use these principles at our workplace, whatever we do, whatever it is we're doing. Let us be a light. Let us work with all of our heart as unto you. Let us see things with the spiritual eye. When someone's having a bad day, it's not about us. It's about them having a bad day. Let us be able to rise above their problem and be a light to them to show them a different way. Help us, Lord. Lord, whether we're a, a worker, whether we're a boss, whether we're a supervisor, a shop steward, whatever we are, whatever position we are, let us use that position with honor and dignity. Let us work hard and work well. For the glory of God. Lord, if we get any accolades, let us be quick to say, God is with me. God put me here. The Lord is with me, helping me every step of the way. And Lord, I pray, I want to pray for everyone that's working right now to be blessed, to be blessed, to be excited, to to be uh, used by you to win souls for the kingdom of God where they are. And Lord, I don't mean in a flamboyant way. I don't mean in a, in a boisterous way. I mean under the radar. I mean with wisdom and with caution and with respect for the rules of the place. But Lord, your rule trumps all those rules. But let us use uh, Holy Ghost wisdom to share our faith wisely in those settings. And Lord, for others that are looking for employment, we pray that the right door would open at the right time with the right salary. Let it be done, Lord, for your good purpose. Lord, for those that are now retired or disabled or collecting unemployment, may your blessing rest upon them. Thank you for a country where we have resources that help take care of those of us in that situation. So, Lord, as we we say, God bless America. Lord, God bless America. God bless the free world where where work and employment and, and exchange of money can happen. Let us do our part to fit into a corrupt system to be a light in that system. So we thank you, Lord, and Lord, for those that are needing help spiritually, bless and provide. Those that are praying for uh, co-workers to come to Christ, let us see some results, Lord, of this message and this prayer today. Let us be quick to lead others to you. So we thank you, Lord, and Lord, if we know all this, give us someone to tell it to this week. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we got through that passage. Hallelujah. Uh, The altars are open if anyone needs prayer. James, maybe a little soft music would be good. Uh, Fellowship in the back there. And uh, we'll see you at the prayer meeting at 6 on the live stream. God bless you.